Are you struggling with managing documents with your clients this tax season? Are you like most firm owners and don't have the time to implement an entire client portal, communications, and workflow solution for your firm? Wouldn't it be great to have a way to securely exchange documents with your clients using tech that your firm probably already has, keeping your team and clients from having to learn something new? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Sweet Files, later in the episode. And this is why SaaS businesses always look horrible on paper. Paper. Because Gap says that your marketing expense is a period expense and doesn't recognize it as an investment in the intangible asset that is your customer base. And that's why everyone got Amazon wrong for so long. Amazon Prime, nobody understood that. Now people understand it. But it's funny because accounting standards still have not caught up to it. The most valuable asset of a subscription business is the subscriber. And the subscriber is nowhere on the balance sheet. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we're joined today by Randy Crabtree of Trimerit and host of the Unique CPA Podcast. Welcome, Randy. Well, thanks for having me be here. This is like the thrill of my lifetime being on the Cloud Accounting Podcast. This is amazing. And and you look like you're somewhere familiar, David. I, I feel like I feel like I have seen that room, Randy. Uh where and David David just left the Hey, oh my gosh, I see David is right behind you, Randy. David is right behind me. I'm I hanging out in Tucson with David for the next few <laughs> days. So this is uh, his daughter's room, I think. So I get to I get to podcast live from here. It's pretty awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, you're staying in David's uh, Airbnb. So David built an Airbnb onto his house, so you could actually have the 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 cloud accounting podcast vacation experience by staying with David in Tucson, if you like. That's the the VIP treatment right there. Yes, I think that needs to be advertised that way. This is VIP for sure. But but <laughs> but I must say, like. Everybody works remote and does remote traveling. Randy, not only does he have portable monitors, he packs a portable desk. He's got it all. He's like he's truly a road warrior in remote work from a, that perspective. I'm a big fan of that. You got to have everything you need in your go bag so that wherever you are, you can get work done. <laughs> right? Go bag sounds like you got trouble with the laws. Is it you know just in uh, case you need to get out of town? Well, I think right. I think if if that was the case, you call it a bug out bag, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we uh. We, uh, so my wife and I, we live in Chicago. So the last few years, we decided we're heading out of town for the winter. So been spending a lot of time in the Southwest and Tucson's the stop now. It's been and, great. And Randy's first day here, it snowed. So <laughs> he didn't get away from anything. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Randy, uh, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your firm, Trimerit. Go ahead and brag. Tell us, I mean, you guys are crushing it. I know you specialize in tax credits and you're not one of those oh it's one uh, of those guys you're not one of the but, but, <laughs> but you're not one of those erc mills and i want to talk to you about that today uh but yeah, yeah you've been doing this for a long time now you guys are experts um you know like what's the scale of trimerit where have you gotten to yeah so we're, we're just as a quick background to how i got to here if you don't mind so i'm a cpa i came out of the public accounting was managing partner of a firm in the chicago suburbs and and, and 17 years ago, I decided it was time for a change. And R&D tax credits kind of just found me. Um, and so we started this firm doing tax credits and incentives. And we've expanded into six different, seven different 
at least seven different offerings now. I always hate saying ERC is one of them because people have this perception of the ERC mills, which is awful. Uh, and we could talk about that. We do it right. We only take credits that we can defend. Um, and so we've grown rapidly. I've told you guys, I've been open about this. Uh, you know, we've were, I think we built 30 million last year in revenue. So we've grown a pretty nice size firm. We, uh, we work with taxpayers around the country and we support them and their clients to take defendable credits and incentives. Nice. And, That's awesome. And you only have tax firms as clients. Like you don't have client clients. You're not doing tax returns. You're not doing audit work. You're not. No, we don't do tax yeah. returns. We do we do a small portion of the tax return information they need for whatever tax credit or incentive that we work with. We get that to the tax preparer. Our our contract is typically with that tax preparer's client, but we get the information. We work in conjunction with them. We get the information to the tax preparer, and then they finalize the whole big return. Got it. So I have my client to get to that line of the return. I'm like, I don't have the time or the skill set in my firm to handle this. I'm going to outsource this to Trimerit. You're going to fill out those five, six, eight lines, give it back, and it's kind of the, the game. You got it. So, David, I think that our episode last week hit a nerve. The AICPA's eight-point plan to, what is it, save the accounting profession, solve the talent crisis. We, we, we almost dedicated the whole episode to that. And Well, it started out with that tweet. The tweet had you know 60,000 views now. And people yeah. keep putting comments on it. And, you know, I, I, I would love to talk about something else, but we keep getting news on this issue. And it looks like stuff is starting to happen. I mean, this, this there's, a, there's an uprising that is occurring. There's a revolution going on at the state level. And the way that we know that is that NASBA, the National Association of State Boards of Accountancy, got together recently and did a vote. They voted to uphold the 150-hour requirement. This was an article in Journal of Accountancy. So they, they didn't have to do this. They got together. The board got together and voted to say that individual states should not change from 150 hours, the fifth year of education, back to four years. And the reason they said this is because uh, we want to maintain uniform licensing, which I think we can all agree we all want CPAs to be able to practice across state lines and whatnot. But I just thought it was really interesting that NASBA got together and, and did this vote because, you know, why did they do it? Well, there must be rumblings going on. And then I dug into this farther and I found out that it's because the Minnesota Society, uh, uh, the Minnesota, I think it's the Minnesota Society of CPAs, is, is there's a bill in, in the Minnesota legislature to change the requirement from 150 to 120 hours. So and it's we actually happening. I just said that. Like I said that last week on the podcast. And then a couple hours later, this article, we, we discovered this article. But I said a state like Arizona, Florida, Texas, one of these states are going to push for this. And I, I didn't see Minnesota doing it. But, you know, Minnesota yeah. likes to get away, get uh, along with everybody. But they're also a little, they're out. They, you know, they, uh, who's the wrestler they elected as governor once? Minnesota's Jesse still pretty Ventura. That's yeah. right. Yep. yep. And so it's not, I guess. Yeah, they got the independent streak going on, right? I like it. I mean, so this is exciting. Um, and I could see this happening, right? Like, what, what if this happens? And so, you know, NASBA, if you ask me, they, they, sh they really need to get together, uh, get ahead of this and solve the problem because, like, we're not hearing problem. We're not hearing solutions from NASBA and AICPA on this, like not solutions that could solve the problem quickly. I just read in another story that there's something like 136,000 vacancies 
per year that will be added to the accounting profession year over year over year, you know, and, and so if we don't grow, if we just slowly decline, we're not even going to fill those positions. And then, you know, the big risk to the profession is not, I don't think the issue with like people trying to take away CPA licensure and, and all that, it's, it's really, if we don't have enough CPAs, then these state legislators will come up with bills to just allow non-CPAs to do audits. Because if we can't staff it, if we can't do the audits for a reasonable price, like business owners are going to go elsewhere. They're going to ask their legislators to do other stuff. So that's the real risk, is, is if we don't fill this pipeline, we could lose the only franchise we have, which is the audit. And we've seen them already remove the CPA requirement from their internal positions. Like to be the state treasurer, I forgot what state that was. They're like, we're not going to make you be a CPA. You can just yeah. you need to hire somebody. Oh, yeah, ultimately. yeah. What about Do you think uh, – yeah. sorry, I, I just no, go ahead. got a question. Do you think audit's the main thing? I mean, that's the only thing you need to be a CPA for, right, is an audit. Um, I, yeah. do, you see, do you see audits – is audits going to become, I mean, everybody talks about the AI has to be more automated and we're not going to, we're going to lose audit and, you know, you're not going to need to have a CPA do this anymore and blockchain and all this. Do you think that's a major issue that, that, that we'll have less CPAs for audits or do you think it just in general, the, the, I think the, in the, the economy needs accountants, whether yes. they're CPAs or not, but without accountants, we're in a crisis mode and I think we're getting to that point. So I guess that was a couple yeah. of questions. Just curious. Well, I think you're right. I think the, the big picture is the economy needs accountants. The economy cannot grow without accountants. Now, we can use technology to allow accountants to do more, but we still need more accountants, even with the tech. Yep. And we're not producing them, we're losing them. So we're going in the wrong direction. And then specifically within you know the CPA niche or that segment, audit has not advanced in terms of technology much at all. I mean, we don't hear about it. Like on the Cloud Accounting Podcast, when was the last time we talked about a story about audit and technology that was in the press, David. Does it ever happen? There's a few companies working on solutions, like you've got MindBridge out there, and I know there's you know other ones like Audit Board and, and whatnot, but most audit still seems to be done manually, and so it's really labor-intensive. And if we don't produce enough auditors, audit quality is going to continue to decline because you can't do the job. And so if, if we have major audit failures, uh, if we don't have enough auditors, audit fees will rise. My concern is that the business community will say, the CPA firms aren't doing the job. We have to get audited. So let's get audits from somewhere else. Right? If supply doesn't meet demand, the market will go elsewhere to find a solution. And that's the real risk to the CPA license uh, when it comes to like the only thing that we do that other people can't do, which is audit. So really, it should be certified public auditor. Like We should stop using the word accountant and call well, it what it really is. And then well, the, the I don't be want accountants. You know, I, I don't want my CPA to become a niche thing like audit. 85% of CPAs don't do audit. It's only 15% of the profession. So we run the risk of becoming marginalized and becoming irrelevant. it's a major irrelevant. part of the license, though. Yeah, it is. But I think the license should be about more than that, right? It should be well, what it's really become, which is a CPA is the recognized, most recognized, most trusted credential that represents that you have a base level of training and experience and expertise. And the public values it. But we run the risk of losing that monopoly that we have essentially on the branding if we don't have enough of us. Yeah. So, right? so Randy, if, can you talk about, you have the letters, you got the magic letters, you're a CPA. Like your I educational do. background, did you have to do 150? Like, can you, like, 
What, yeah, what was so, your early career like? Well, so I did not get an undergrad degree in accounting. I was computer science. Um, so you would think I'd be up on tech. I'm not that all, all that good with the technology, but I'm also 60. So that was a long time ago. Um, but uh, I decided after a few years out working that I really should have been a CPA, not really knowing much about it. I went undergrad class in accounting. So I ended up going, just taking master's classes to get enough hours to be able to take the exam. So I didn't need the 150. I probably am close to 150 just because of the additional hours I took, but I never got a degree. So I don't ha- I don't know if that's a requirement today or not. I, I don't know if it's still just the hours, um, but I never, I never got an accounting degree. I just went back to get enough hours to take the exam. Yeah. And that's like me, right? I have a bachelor of music. I have a ton of credits in college because I took a zillion AP classes in high school and it took me a little longer to get my music degree because I changed majors and I still had to go back and take a ton of classes because I had to get all of those accounting specific classes, but I did it at community colleges and I did it at UCLA Extension. I didn't do a master's because I figured like most people say, I I talk to accountants, they say, you're going to learn more doing it than you are going to learn it in school. And I think that's true with a lot of stuff, right? Like it's certainly that way in music. If you get a PhD in music and you never go out there and perform in the real world, you're useless. You're really, really useless. Actually, it was funny. Like in college, the PhDs who had never performed with an orchestra were awful. They were horrible musicians. And I bet it's the same way in accounting. Oh, I would think so. I, I didn't. I mean, honestly, looking back, did I really learn things in college? I mean, not in not the what I used when I started in public accounting, you know, right after I got my enough hours to take the exam. I mean, I learned there. That's where I really learned everything. Yep. Yeah, learn by doing, right? And oh, and yeah. so um, that's what's interesting about the Minnesota bill, the bill in the Minnesota state legislature, is it re- would reduce, uh, I skimmed it before we got on, and, and it reduces the requirement back to 120, but it increases the experience requirement from one year back to two years. So you're replacing school with work. And I, I challenge anyone listening to tell me that an extra year of education in a university is more valuable than a year working in an accounting firm when it comes to actually Blake's learning. Blake's going to get a lot of emails CPA. from PhDs. <laughs> account, accountancy PhDs are going to email Blake and insist that, that they have the right career path. Well, yeah, I think I PhDs in music, too, are going to be emailing him, too, <laughs> that they're talentless. <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, we're on YouTube Live. We are streaming today on a Thursday instead of a Friday because I'm going to Sedona for the weekend. So thank you, David, uh, for adjusting your schedule for me. And thank you to our loyal live stream viewers who have shown up anyway. Michael is in the chat and he said, I thought we did this on Fridays. No. Yeah, we normally do. Normally it's like <laughs> Friday at 10 MST. Uh, but today it is uh, on Thursday. So thanks for showing up. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Christopher for jumping on. Great to see you. And anyone who is watching, uh, you can chat with us. Put your message in the chat there in the live stream, and we will see it. And uh, if I like it, I'll put it on the screen. So let us know what you think about anything we've been talking on about on recent episodes when it comes to 150 hours, when it comes to tech. I mean, if you're tired of us talking about the 150 hours, give us a tech story to talk about. We'll, we're happy to change the subject. So. Before we jump off of this subject, though, Blake, so you said you took lots of AP classes in high school. Oh, yeah. I had actually so many that I effectively was a sophomore when I came into college. Did you have any opportunity to take 
accounting 101 as an AP course. Accounting was not an AP course, and I doubt it still is. I doubt it is, right? Yes, exactly. So, so just time full in my week. So on Monday, I went and spoke at Career Day, you know, and I spoke up being a podcaster. It was great. People took all these notes. They touched all the equipment. Like, it was kind of exciting. But Norma, one of the accounting twins, spoke about accounting, and she only had half the people showed up, right, the session. There's not a lot of people interested in accounting. But tying this full back, you know, I've been – for whatever reason in my news feeds, I've been seeing these stories about high school kids tying back to accounting. And the, the concept of this, like, kind of hit me. Like, the instead of that, like, senior year, you're on the AP taking calculus your senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, this school – high school she's at offered accounting. And she took accounting, but no, you can't get AP for it, right? But she took accounting, right. and what they're seeing is high school kids that take a business majors that take accounting in high school are more successful in college accounting classes. Say that again. So, so if you're a high school student who goes on to be a business major in college, being your, if you're a business major, everybody has to take accounting 101, right? If you took accounting in high school, you're more successful at accounting in college. So yeah. just by us. Off, like, why is there not AP accounting yeah. classes? That's there a great be. idea. There should be. Yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> Debit, learn your debits and credits in high school. I mean, I took AP calculus. You know how much I use it for? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I, I did I did that. Um, it was a fun a fun experiment. I did so I, I did I did multivariable calculus, so I could learn to I can compute the uh, the volume of a vase. Of yeah. a you know strange shape, but like that's floating in a plane. Yeah, <laughs> why why can't we take AP Excel in in high school? I feel like that would be the most valuable course in the history of AP classes for most people. You know, but what do you it, think, it's Randy? Like they talk about recruiting earlier. It's like if you just because these 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 high performing students want their AP credits. So if you yeah. offer accounting as an AP class, we're going to naturally fill the bottom of the funnel. Just because they're so, these people want that AP credit. Yeah, I think I think AP accounting is the best idea I've ever heard you come up with, um, and you always come up. with I great can retire ideas. now. I'm done. So, so signing off. <laughs> this is like my week is fulfilled here. I'm live on this podcast. I'm hearing these great ideas. Here, I want to run something past you guys because I've been thinking about this as well, especially with high school and and college. But I was going to the high school level. So we we I host a a conference every year. It's the unique CPA conference. Uh, this is the first year we're going to go live with it um, in person. I mean, not live. It's always been live, but we were talking about giving up scholarships for people to come to this. And we're trying to come up with criteria. And I was thinking, why not go down to the high school level? Why not find uh, kids in high school that are interested in accounting and have them come to this conference? We'll pay for everything. They come to this conference and they can see, you know, I'm going to have you know, cool people at this conference, like you guys, I hope we'll talk about that. And, and other people that just, you know, and like Kristen Keats talking about bringing joy to accounting and, and this kind of thing, and just see that this is a fun, it can be a fun industry. And so my, my question to you is, what do you think about that? Do you think we're on the right track trying to bring high school students into a conference setting to see, let them see what it's all about? I think that anything we can do to teach high school kids about alternatives to, to the traditional path yes. is great because that's what's killing us as a profession. That's It's the the big four bringing in these students and churning and burning them. And then all those 
80% that leave within the first few years are posting on TikTok and Reddit about their horrible experiences working at these firms. And yep. they hated it. <laughs> you know, I know you learn a lot, but there's a lot of negatives as well that we have to yeah. address. So I yeah. talk a lot about, I do a presentation on mental health and I talk a lot about the perception of the industry but there's also reality. And so the reality is what you just said. I mean, they just churn and burn and, and, and knock them out. So everybody perceives that as the industry. But then what you just said, you have these millennial run firms, maybe these starter firms, not these legacy firms that have been around for 50 years, 100 years. These firms that have started up in the last 10 years that have grown tremendously and are doing things different. They're doing, they're, they're, they're just coming up with these great ideas and they're not burning people out, but the perception is still there. And I think that's one thing we need to get rid of is that perception of we are this high stress, high burnout profession. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. And somehow we've got to get people the practical training they need without them having to go to a big firm to do it. Yes. That's the problem, right? Because everyone feels like, oh, I have to go work for a big for or a regional firm, because if I don't, I won't have the resume. And we need to counter that. Like we need to figure out how do we get people into smaller firms directly without them going through this, uh, what do you call it? The meat grinder that's, mm -hmm. that's causing the problems in it's the reputation. People that make it out, and I don't know the exact numbers, but just ratios. It, the people that make it through those first two or three years and move on to a career in accounting, they're usually like, that was very valuable to me. It was an important part of my career doing that meat grinder in the beginning. But for every one person like that, I think five people just fall out of the other end of the meat grinder and they're yeah. done with accounting the rest of their lives. So like, it's kind of, it's great if you can get through it, but most people don't. And that, those are bodies that, that basically, in the worst than that, usually they leave and they just leave accounting. They're not just like trying to find other opportunities in accounting. Yeah, they're just leaving it completely. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Sweet Files. I'm guessing that you are probably already paying for Microsoft 365 and use Outlook, OneDrive, Word, and of course, Excel daily. Wouldn't it be great if you could just use this existing tech stack that you already know and trust to work with your clients more securely, efficiently, and collaboratively? Sweet Files has everything you need to manage your client documents, nothing more and nothing less. And because Sweet Files is built on Microsoft 365, you your team, and your clients already know how to use it. With Sweet Files, you can easily create and edit documents, including PDFs, get digital signatures from clients all safely and securely. By using the Microsoft 365 folder system that you're familiar with, Sweet Files makes it simple for your team and your clients to upload, store, and retrieve documents, be it a client engagement letter or last month's reports. Sweet Files also offers the ability to work with documents offline, see version history in case you need to roll back changes to a doc, Outlook integration, custom branding, PDF annotation, and that always needed PDF merging. To learn more about using Sweet Files to solve all your document management needs and for advice on tackling the talent shortage, including the top five tips to find qualified workers, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash sweetfiles. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-U-I-T-E-F-I-L-E-S. We got a lot of chat going on in the live stream. Andrea says, experience certainly helps. I went back to school to get my extra 30 hours, seven years after I got my bachelor's. I don't think I would have done well had I done the additional 30 right after my bachelor's. And D. Hall says, my first two years of accounting was with companies committing fraud, both private industry and public accounting. 
I can be held hostage to unethical CPAs in order to meet the experience requirement. Oh, man. Well, talk about, I didn't even think about that. Talk about a bad experience. I'm so sorry. And I'm glad you stuck with us in the profession. Uh, Christopher says, I think Zero and Intuit would have to take the lead on that. Oh, probably in reference to helping to train accountants in an alternative pathway. Well, allow me to pitch my crazy idea, which is that we create accounting boot camps, like the coding academies that popped up when we didn't have enough software developers. So the idea would be if you have any bachelor's degree, you could go into these intense boot camps where you spend eight to 12 hours a day just studying for X number of weeks, and you learn everything that you need to know to be successful in a firm. Like if you're going to do tax, you learn all the tax software, you learn all that stuff you don't learn in school, and you learn you know how to manage the clients, the practice management software, so that you can go right into a firm and hit the ground running and understand how to actually be doing work in a firm, as opposed to all this theory that we learn in school. School is so theoretical. So that, that would be something that like, I would love to see Earmark turn into someday, David, is we could actually offer that kind of boot camp. And firms would support it because they'd say like, I'm going to hire people out of the firm or out of the boot camp that know how to work in my firm. And I don't have to spend years training them. Yep. Specific paths within there even. So if they, yeah. they even maybe send people to, your, to the Earmark boot camp because they want them to learn, you know, Lacert, or they want them to learn these different paths that goes down and meets into their firm and the firm will pay for it. I love the idea. You guys are just full of awesome ideas today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate that. And our listeners are as well. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Andrea says uh, that she solidified her decision to go into accounting by going to an accounting summer camp in high school. They had an accounting summer camp? That is amazing. Andrea, I would love to know more about what was included in accounting summer camp. And I'm glad there's something even nerdier than band camp, which I went to. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Actually, that, that, I, I would have gone to accounting summer camp. That would have been great. Like, it, band camp wasn't nerdy enough for me. Uh, let's see. Honey says, my hub is a teacher and most definitely the students would love to attend a conference. There you go, Randy. You got We're validation to... right there. Yeah, we're going to need to put that information out there. And I, that's the plan. It's not official yet. We are going to have some kind of uh, scholarship. But um, in fact, I'm on a, a group that we just started this foundation that is raising money for scholarships for conferences, not just our conferences, conferences in general. Maybe somebody that's just starting their firm up or somebody that is, you know, just came into the country from another country and they want to understand, you know, accounting here. So, this is a really cool group. I'm very excited to be part of it. We had our first meeting last week, but we are going to be giving out scholarships to conferences in general, which should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, David, shall we talk about accounting technology or do you got more on the future of our profession? I mean, I just had to just make it to be clear about this. This is not just a U.S. thing. There was an article in the uh, Accountancy Daily, um, and it looks like in the U.K., this, a third of accountants are considering changing jobs. So... Turnover figures for accounting and finance jobs hit 30%, which is 3% higher in 2022 than in 2021. So this is not just, this is an industry-wide thing. It's not just a U.S. accountant's problem, right? And, that, and then then you make you wonder, like, I don't want to like, like, the 150-hour rule doesn't exist in these other countries, rule. But mm -hmm. so it kind of shows it's the bigger 
picture of a county in general. That's yeah. I mean, the problem. And for those uh, who want to actually see that bill that I talked about in the Minnesota legislature, you can go search for HF1749 uh, at the Minnesota legislature website, HF1749, and you can read the text of it. And uh, when I read through it, it looks like they have this alternative pathway where you can get 120 semester or 180 quarter hours at a college or university that's accredited. And then, oh, they even have another one. If you So you get the 120 hours and then you have to complete an additional 120 hours of professional education. So CPE, they're, they're swapping CPE for, for the classroom education, which, hey, you know, I'm a little biased because <laughs> you can get CPE for listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. So it's possible that in Minnesota, uh, CPAs could satisfy their fifth year by listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast and using Earmark and, and taking classes from all these excellent CPE providers that already do this for a lot less than a university will charge. Uh, and the unique CPA podcast. You can get CPA, CPE for that too, Randy. Through Earmark, for sure. Through Earmark, yeah. So so it sounds like what I'm hearing here is Earmark is about to take over the accounting profession. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm asking live here, how much money you guys need in investment so I can be part of this? <laughs> we're, we're still we'll working online. Yeah, we're still working that out. I, I, I have on my checklist of things to do is uh, create the financial model and it's been sitting there for a long time. I gotta, I gotta, those are hard to build. I gotta sit down and, and build it. Well, um, well it's like the two this. major plans. Like how do you, how to take over the, the complete industry leadership? And the other plan is like, how do we get some of that $80 billion of the IRS money? That's so, right. Those are the two, those are the two major plans that are happening here. Um, right. so I know that, we rip on Deloitte a lot. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Blake. Finish. Oh no, I love ripping on Deloitte. Go for okay, it. So, but so, and this is a little like, you know, I saw this article, but it's in our backyard. So University of Arizona down here in Tucson. So the Eller, uh, Eller Business School and inside that business school is the accounting sc school, right? They've partnered with Deloitte. So Deloitte has a, a scholarship called MADE, M-A-D-E, Making Accounting Diverse and Equitable. And they've committed $75 million in scholarships and they will pay your full tuition for uh, about 15 different universities they partnered with. What's the catch? Uh, it does not say you have to work <laughs> for them, um, but they basically, it's for students that want to do their fifth year master's degree in accounting. So in a way, like, here it goes, right? It's reinforcing right. the the extra year, but hey, yeah. if somebody's going to pick up the bill, you know? Uh, so I I do want to go on to tech because we are called the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Yes. We need to talk about technology, but I, I also have a video uh, that I wanted to play. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I listen to like Planet Money and Marketplace and all that, and there was something recently on an episode that spoke to me. Now, this is in a totally different industry. This is in the housing industry, the construction industry. And uh, as you all know, we have a shortage of housing in this country. And so uh, one of the reasons that that is is because it's very um, expensive to construct homes. And a lot of that has to do with, according to the story that I heard, uh, really outdated ways of building housing. And one of the solutions is to do more uh, prefab homes. Uh, but the industry has kind of resisted that. It hasn't moved to that. And the question is why. And I thought this clip was really funny uh, at explaining why. So I'm going to uh, play this clip for you. What's different now is that some of the big builders are looking at prefab homes as they try to insure themselves against a lack of workers. Margaret has a theory about why it's taken them so long to take a look at this. So I came up with this very funny phrase, PMS, 
that the industry is pale, male, and stale. As a professional speaker, a lot of these events, I'm often standing on a stage looking at thousands of all white guys and wondering why nothing's changing, right? And that's why nothing's changing. And it's the diversity of thought. For me, I think generational diversity is absolutely critical, bringing young people in. Now, sorry, I just had to play that because I thought that was the funniest acronym I've ever heard is, you know, P- PMS. And, pale and, male and you should have not framed it up as being a construction story and just played that quote and had me play the game where I have to guess what industry this is. <laughs> Because it could be yeah. us. Now, now, as a future old white guy, I've got you know no problem with old white guys. Um, but I do think that the the point is totally valid, which is that if it's all people who look the same in the room, chances are the diversity of thought is going to be really poor, right? And this, to me, is why we have a problem in accounting and why our accounting associations and state boards of accountancy can't seem to figure out what to do. Is because they're all suffering from this groupthink that results f- from everybody having the exact same experience and that those people tend to look alike. You know, that's the, the it's correlation there, not necessarily causation, but it's totally true. So I just, I'd have I, to play that. So I kind of resemble that comment she made there, <laughs> the, the old white guy. But you are right, David, that if you didn't tell us what the industry that was, I was thinking they were talking about accounting. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's just historically been that way that I've seen until the last few years when I've met people like you and people like Scott Scrano and the guys at Acuity and Neil Carter and all these people. And I'm seeing this, this, what I was talking about before, these younger startup firms, a lot more diverse and, and have different thinking. And I think that's what's needed. We got a comment from JTCCG. I think Earmark is one of the greatest apps available. So much easier to get your CPE by listening to podcasts than by sitting through seminars, and many of them are fun too. Hey, thank you so much for that. Uh, And a reminder to our listeners that you can earn free CPE for listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Just download the Earmark CPE app, and you can get CPE for listening to Randy's unique CPA podcast. So check out his podcast, get CPE for it. He's wearing the t-shirt right now. You can see it on the live stream. Uh, it's awesome. And yes, do that. Get your CPE. Don't don't sit in a seminar if you don't have to or if you don't want to. Although and, I have a webinar in about 30 minutes. So sit in my webinar, just not the yeah. rest of them. Is that what we're saying? All right. <laughs> That's right. Actually, well, because we'll put that webinar up on uh, Earmark after the fact if you want. Uh, or you're doing that one for live CPE, right? Yeah, this is or, a live webinar I'm doing for a, a okay. industry professional group. Fantastic. Well, you're creating that great technical content around all of these tax credits and stuff that people need, right? And it's not like they're going to learn that in university because the universities are, you know, 10 years behind everything. They're, nothing's current, right? I, I remember in my classes, we were diagramming tape drives. That was, I had to learn the icon to like draw a tape drive with my protractor. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> right. I kid you not. Yeah. Because that's how we used to diagram processes was on paper, you know, and that's what I had to learn. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LiveFlow. Anita Coimor, one of the founders of LiveFlow, was telling me about a small business owner who was complaining that his accountant didn't do any cash flow projections with him, causing his business to take an unwanted loan just to keep the doors open. I wanted to learn more and understand from this business owner about what his accountant did or didn't do for him, so I attempted to set up a Zoom call with him. This was his reply, and I quote, I would be happy to review this further, but at a later time. Due to our cash flow problems, the problems are already here, and I have to solve this crisis before I can plan, unfortunately. End quote. 
It makes me wonder how many other small businesses are currently struggling with cash flow crisis and their accountants aren't helping them. If you're not helping your clients with cash flow, stop what you're doing and go sign up for LiveFlow right now. Grab one of the LiveFlow cash flow forecast templates and connect your client's QuickBooks Online data. You and the client will be able to see real-time money movements, have important cash flow conversations, and make impactful business decisions quicker rather than later. To learn more about using LiveFlow and how you can save 20% off your first three months, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash LiveFlow. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. All right, tech, David. Top tech stories of the week, of the month. Flip back over there. What did we get? Um, What did we see that was tech-related? Jobber. So are you familiar with Jobber? I've heard of it, but I don't so remember what it does. Jobber, it do? like, uh, you know, they're they're out of Canada, and and they really they were really popular with like uh, landscapers, lawnmowers, landscapers, and then s- people that have to do snow plows, so they could use the app of parts of the year, you know, because that's usually you 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 have to do each job six months a year like in Canada, but they've really expanded out. They took a hundred million dollars um, in in their most recent raise, and what's interesting about this, and maybe this is like you know you talk about raising money and and doing these things, they already have. Um, they have 200,000 users and they ran $13 billion through their system across 27 million households. So this is a little niche app that's expanded out to HVAC, lawn care, plumbing, residential cleaning. But I'm always confused. Like if, if these companies have this kind of revenue coming in, so the revenues, it's bringing in a hundred million dollars revenues coming in. Why does it still need 60 million, another hundred million dollars in VC money? I always wonder this, like, like, is that like mismanagement? Like it, like you can't run your company when you have a hundred million dollar revenue. It's always I'm much confused by that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's um. Well, when I was in SaaS, the idea was you knew you had this cost to acquire a dollar of revenue KPI that you would track very carefully. So you'd say uh, if we spend two dollars, we'll get a dollar of recurring revenue. And you look at your marketing spend, and you look at how many new customers that gets you, and what the average contract value is, and you can calculate this this ratio. And so if if it's higher than one, that means you're spending more than a dollar to get a dollar. So that's why you need the money because you're, but you're, but you're getting future revenue. So you're, that's where the burn concept comes in from, right? You're, you're burning yeah. more cash than you're bringing in, but it's building this asset on, that's not on your balance sheet because Gap doesn't understand yeah, subscription businesses, but it's, it's an asset to the investors because we all know that somebody signs up for a job or, or any SaaS app, you know, they're going to last for more than a year typically. And and whatever that number is, is based on your churn and all that stuff. So the idea is if you know the number really well, you can go out and raise the money because you can say, we're going to spend that hundred million and we're going to bring in 50 million in recurring revenue. And we know that 50 million is actually 500 million because our customers stay with us for 10 years on average. That's why they do that. Yeah. And if that's the only reason to do that in a SaaS business. But where does it, like it goes on in this article talk about, you know, they, they've only made $100 million so far on $13 billion in gross sales in their existence. Thirteen. It, it, oh, well, that's because they're, they're reinvesting uh, all of their cash in customer in. acquisition. And this is why SaaS businesses always look horrible on paper. Paper. Because Gap says that your marketing expense is a period expense and doesn't recognize it as an investment in the intangible asset that is your customer base. And that's why everyone got Amazon wrong for so long. Yeah. And that's why they all, you know, Amazon Prime, nobody understood that. And Netflix, now people understand it. But it's funny because accounting standards still have not caught up to it. The most valuable asset 
of a subscription business is the subscriber, and the subscriber is nowhere on the balance sheet. It's not even disclosed. It's not even disclosed. The data, the subscriber data, is that what you mean? Or what, yeah, like, what's the, yeah. Well, like, like Netflix, for instance, right? What do we really care about when it comes to Netflix? We care about how many subscribers they have and their churn rate, how many they lose, and how many they're gaining, right? Because, and, and we multiply that by the price of their subscription, and we can basically estimate Netflix's future cash flows. Because, right? But, but that's not mandated to disclose anywhere in the financial statements. The only thing they disclose is traditional metrics like you know, earnings per share, uh, which is not really helpful because if a company like Netflix is doing a good job, they're going to spend every dollar of profit on getting new customers. Because why wouldn't you, right? You're, you're getting future revenue. You're, you're, you're planting the money tree. Uh, but they, those companies look bad on paper because of Gap. Because it's, like, it's, it's the way we judge widget creation. We build widgets, we sell widgets. And it's yeah, still it's good for factories and making products and stuff like that, but it's bad for subscription businesses. And it's just kind of mind-boggling to me that our Financial Accounting Standards Board doesn't get this. They don't, they don't get it at all. And maybe it's because all those people, like, they're, they've never, they're out of touch, right? They haven't been part of this amazing revolution that's happened over the last few decades. And they all come from big four accounting firms where they specialize in these super niche little topics and stuff. And they, they, they spend all their time creating lease accounting rules that nobody wants or needs. Like nobody asked for lease accounting that I know of. I've never met a single person that said that the new lease accounting standard is helpful. <laughs> well, well, I know a guy who has that build software for it. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. I know a company that does that. I think they're probably pretty happy. We got another comment. D. Hall says, across California, annual budgets for local planning departments have decreased in the last 10 years. There's no new growth. Similar in accounting, we are not growing the next generation. It's kind of a similar problem, right? And that's why there's a shortage. Uh, maybe. Um, okay, so I've got one. Our friends at Client Hub have launched a new free recategorize plan. I may have heard about that in a commercial on the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Was it in our commercial? That's awesome. <laughs> it was in the commercial. So, so now uh, Client Hub is a uh, popular practice management solution. Firms using Client Hub can now connect a client's QuickBooks file uh, to that client workspace in Client Hub. Then they simply designate a QuickBooks account for uncategorized transactions. Uh, so this product is called Recategorize. It's free. So you can take those uncategorized transactions and send them to your clients, and then uh, you can get them to categorize them. So you don't have to export to Excel and send them a spreadsheet and get that back. That's great that that's free now. So that- and what's interesting about this, right, is this feature, I mean, there's some standalone apps that exist that only do uncategorization. You know, Digits just announced that they've added this feature. Like different, There's different apps, these client workflow portal type apps are, are offering this feature. And so what Client Hub's doing is they're going that freemium model, which is like, hey, just sign up and use this feature. And then hopefully, you know, and this is the whole point of freemium models, you'll like it. Eventually, some percentage of those users will churn in, or turn, not churn, sorry, turn into paid users, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're trying something different in the accounting software industry because I don't think a lot of apps have a, they have like use it for 14 days for free, but not really use it for free. A freemium, a yeah. Yeah. So I, I got an email from Google Calendar. Uh, I use Google Calendar. We use the G Suite, or what do they call it? Google Workspace now. And uh, apparently, 
calendar spam is a problem. I don't know if this has happened to you, Randy, but have you ever had like a salesperson just drop a meeting onto your calendar without you asking for it? Yeah, I think I did once or twice, but this hasn't been a huge issue at this point. Yeah, it's it's one of those super sneaky, uh, but also kind of super brilliant strategies where if you're trying to book a meeting with an executive that won't get back to you, you just send them a calendar invite. And a lot of times, calendars are just configured to automatically add any invites to the calendar. So then the person shows up to the meeting figuring that somebody booked it, they were supposed to be there, and then you can you know make the sale. Now, I don't know how ethical that is or how effective that is, but I, I do think it's a funny way to get a meeting. Google Calendar, though, now has a way to defeat that kind of strategy. If you have never interacted with somebody, their invitations won't be automatically added to your calendar unless you indicate that you know them from now on. And that's a setting you can change in the event settings in Google Calendar. I'm curious if there's something like that in Microsoft as well or not. My understanding it was happening in Outlook a lot because like Outlook will look at, if you get your airplane tickets, Outlook will just automatically put those on your calendar, your flights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yes. Without asking. And I think I saw something similar to this where it, people were suggesting a meeting and that was the hack. And then Outlook would just put it on your calendar and just, just create an invite and put it on your calendar. So they didn't even have to send you a meeting request. The, the email would just talk about it and then they were getting into people's calendars that way. So it's kind of similar. And that's the deal with LinkedIn and the bots and all that, right? I saw an article about LinkedIn bots, but yeah, it's the same type of thing. But yeah, they need to address this. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. For many of you, getting paid by your client is a multi-step and multi-app workflow that looks something like this. Send a client a proposal or engagement letter via quote-unquote signature tool. Wait for the client to accept it. Add the client to the accounting system. Generate an invoice. Send that to the client. Wait for the client to pay you, or maybe you're advanced and you set up separate PDF to collect their ACH or credit card info to set up automatic payments. But again, you wait for them to provide those details. You get the point. It's a messy manual process, and I didn't even mention the spreadsheet you'll need to create to track all these steps. Introducing Anchor. Anchor automates your entire billing process for you end-to-end. With Anchor, you create one proposal that defines your scope of work, includes terms of service, allows your client to review and accept this agreement, even collects the client's payment info instantly to establish automated monthly payments. For the client, they experience all of this in just one screen. It's really that simple and clean. With Anchor's dashboard, you always have visibility in the entire process from pending and approved agreements. It will even surface items that may need additional attention, like when a client needs to update their credit card expiration date. And if the scope of work of the client ever changes, be it monthly services or a one-time additional charge, you can easily and clearly modify the agreement, keeping you and the client on the same page. And the best part, there is no subscription fee at all. Anchor only costs $5 per payment received. No matter how much you charge a client, it is still only $5 per payment. To learn more about using Anchor at your firm, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash anchor. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-N-C-H-O-R. So continuing on with technology, I saw a story on CFO.com about CFOs vowing to boost their tech influence in 2023. Some stats in here that may be of interest. 84% of CFOs expect to be more involved in developing technology strategy than they were in 2022. 75% of them, so three quarters, say they plan to increase capital spending on technology for their finance team this year, while only 6% say that they will reduce such spending. So 
Great news for the developers in the audience there. CFOs are going to be involved and they are going to increase spending on tech. I put a link in. There's a company in New Zealand. They're, uh, they're basically doing self-employed. Uh, it's a self-employed bookkeeping platform. So they just raised $35 million of their Series B. Um, Called but if, Henry, but without any vowels. H-N-R-Y. Yeah. Which is very like decade ago, Web 2.0. So apparently you still can't get domains. So you have to spell things like that. But if you scroll down, it's like a typical app. Like, oh, I'm going to use this to track my income, my expenses. But if you scroll down a little bit to the number three bullet, we, we become your accountant. We become your accountant. Our team of real human accountants will file your income tax and GST returns whenever they're due, review your expenses whenever you raise them so you get tax relief as you go, and give personalized answers to your gnarliest tax questions. And so let's tie this back to the, you know, this is in this is in Zero's backyard. This is in New Zealand. Okay, remember the whole like, we're Zero and we will never do a QuickBooks lifestyle model. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They're coming at you, Zero. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to probably start doing a model like this. That's that's the reality. They're there in your backyard. New Zealand companies are basically doing accounting software with bookkeeping. Well, here's another startup that caught my attention. It's called ChatCPA. The donate domain is chatcpa.io, and they are jumping on this whole ChatGPT thing. It says, get accounting and tax help straight to your favorite messenger app 24-7 in any language. Chat with a CPA-trained AI, or you can talk to a CPA. So I'm curious just how much this is a portal to chat GPT that they've built on their own website, and they're just going to get people to sign up and ask questions and then book time with them. It's kind of brilliant if that's all it is, like it's just a lead funnel. But I think it could be a, a real product someday is somebody take OpenAI's technology or whatever Google's building and plug into it and then tailor it to accounting questions or tax questions. Or Randy, maybe the unique CPA or Trimerit could have the uh, tax credit chatbot, where if I have a question about, do I qualify for this credit, I can just go ask the bot. And then, uh, oh, if I have more follow-up questions, I get a, uh, a prompt to schedule a call with a, a trimerit specialist or something like that. Would you, do the you see yourself ever doing this? The ideas keep coming. Uh, you know what? So, so our business in general is not real tech heavy just because it's right now so involved with asking questions to the people just based on credits and incentives. But I see it going there. People are trying to get more technology involved in R&D tax credits. Another thing, I see something like this being able to at least do what you said. You know, let's get through the first uh, round of qualification and now let's dig deeper. If we don't look at this, I think we'd be stupid to, to not try to involve something like that. So we'd fall behind. The good thing for me is I'm 60. I'm not sure how many more years I'll be doing this. I, I'm probably not going to affect me quite as much. For me, what I liked about this, Blake, it's not so much the whole chat thing of this. It's this very clear, this is an accounting firm's website, obviously. This very clear differentiation of, hey, you can do this level of service for free, or you can talk to a CPA and pay. Right. And and it in. Everybody needs to do that at their firm. Freemium. Like, they, there is a different conversation to have with a CPA, with an accountant versus what you can do for free. And you're just providing yeah. the free resources on your website. Now, this isn't even free because it's like well, a free trial for one month. You still got to pay. It's a lot of hoop jumping. But the 
But on the presentation level, that's every firm should do this. Like, here's what you can get from my firm for free. Here's what you can pay for. And I've seen some accounting influencer types who are big on um, Instagram doing this, where they create a private community of business owners in a particular niche, and you can pay $50 a month, something minimal to be a part of this forum, essentially. And then you, as the expert, go in and answer questions on the forum, but people don't get access to you individually. It's all one-to-many type of interactions. And then it becomes this way for you to create content, interact with an audience, and then they're gonna, some of them are gonna hire you to do the work. So creating these private communities where you support people who are doing their own accounting is a great way to build a lead funnel for your accounting business. You know, like that's another one for you, Randy, with Trimerities, you know, create a forum where accountants can go in and ask questions about tax deductions and credits and R&D and all that stuff. Well, that's almost kind of sort of, sort of, in a vague way, what the unique CPA, because that's a brand under the trimerit and that's more about just education and, and that and so i think that has started that way we just need to build, build technology into it as well and real quick sorry what you've yeah. been saying there those firms i was talking about at the beginning these millennial runs startup 10 years in business they are doing a lot more of this you know digital marketing inbound leads that is just amazing that i don't see these i call them legacy firms doing and I think that's the way in the future and building technology and that is going to be huge. I got one more tech story, David. Um, I saw a great story, great blog post on the Zapier blog. Such a great blog. Everyone should subscribe to it. It's called The Best AI Productivity Tools in 2023. And it's a, it's a list of some of the coolest AI tools by category. So content creation, you've got copy.ai, Jasper, Surfer, for image generation, they list out a bunch of the image generators like Stable Diffusion and Dolly and Neural.love. There's some I've seen here and some that I don't know that I'm going to check out. They've got note-taking, an app called Mem that connects all your stuff together, like your email and your calendar and helps you take notes better. They've got video creation apps, transcription apps, slide decks and presentations. So Randy, the next time you need to create a slide deck, you could actually have AI help you do it with beautiful.ai. And the way that this works is you just type in the headlines and the copy and it will generate the formatting and the images for you on the fly using AI. So we that gonna, you don't have to do it. Are we going to AI generate my voice now too? I'm going to become obsolete. No more education for Randy. Slides are going to be written. Randy's voice is going to be AI generated. What if you were a po- podcaster? It's very scary. Well, yeah, so well, that's true. <laughs> One of these image generating apps is called uh, synesthesia. I cannot say that word. Synthesia. Synthesia. Okay, it's not the medical condition. It's synthesia. And um, what this does is it lets you choose an avatar and then write copy for it. And the avatar will speak using an AI generated voice. And the mouth will move to look like it's speaking. And it's good enough where you can pop the avatar into like a training video and you can have it speak on your behalf. And the beauty of it is when you need to change the video, you just put in a new script. You don't have to re-record somebody standing in front of a camera. That's so much money saved, so much money and time saved by doing that. Now, the question is, like, how, you know, is it going to have the same impact as a typical training video? But considering how bad most training videos are, I bet it's fine. You know, if you're talking corporate training videos. Um, 
There's another one I want to try out. Research uh, G-E-N-E-I, I guess Genie. It's a tool that goes out on the internet and finds research materials, finds documents, and helps you collect those into a place so that you can write. Yeah. And Zapier, of course, has its own open AI integration. So now, and this is something I got to play around with, you can connect apps to Zapier, you can feed it inputs, and then you can output AI-generated text back into the app that you were using, even if it doesn't have an open AI integration. And that's one that just could be killer for accounting firms to generate messages to clients, to staff, you know, automatically based on data so that somebody doesn't have to write it. So yeah, check out this blog post, The Best AI Productivity Tools in 2023, and you'll find the link in the show notes of the podcast episode. I'm definitely going to go look at that. I uh, I am fortunately going to have to run here in a second. I've got to go do a live real person presentation uh, on uh, uh, tax season challenges, uh, basically uh, ERC issues you're going to be seeing out there, filing taxes this year, and then the R&D expense capitalization that is going to be a really a pain in a lot of people's behinds at this tax season. So awesome. got to go talk about that. I appreciate you guys having me on here. One thing I wanted to say is I don't know if you saw this headline yesterday because we could have talked about this with the, the lack of talent, um, but I think it was KPMG is – uh, letting a lot of people go right now. Yes. Same thing with EY, I'm hearing, and RSM as well, and probably other firms. And so there's going to be talent out there. Uh, just but it looks it's, like it's uh, from their uh, advisory. Advisory. So probably yep. not. They're probably not accountants. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I guess um, that doesn't help. <laughs> so go ahead and follow uh, Randy's podcast. Subscribe to the Unique CPA podcast. Find it wherever you listen to great podcasts. All right. Well, sounds right. great. Thanks, David. Thanks, I'll Randy. see you in about 20 feet. And uh, Beautiful. <laughs> and we'll see everybody later. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. And we got a comment from friend of the show, founder of Acuity, Kenji Kuramoto. Aren't accounting firms firing clients these days, especially 1040 clients? Instead of firing them, maybe downgrade them to a DIY model that's supported by an AI chat tool for a few bucks a month. Oh, man. You mean like TurboTax? <laughs> Well, you know what you could do? I mean, it's not, yeah. It's not well, no, no, it's a, but, to yeah. totally. Here's what you could do is you could say, look, we think that TurboTax is actually going to be a better fit for you because your situation is fine for it. But we know that you prefer talking to our experts as opposed to TurboTax experts. So for this fee, you'll get access to the Acuity forum or to an Acuity expert. You can decide if it's one-on-one -on -one or if it's going to be one-to-many. And you can go and ask your questions as you complete your return so you're basically acting as sort of like an upgraded version of TurboTax Live. I think that could be a really interesting add-on. You become an add-on to it where you allow TurboTax Live to do all the grunt work of filling out the forms and you just be the tax planner. But is that right? like a real viable business model or is that just going to be somebody who's an, an exception like me that can do most of my return, but there's one section I need to sandy check with somebody? Right. Like, but that that is most people. Most people okay. can – fill out TurboTax, like that's okay, millions that's and millions, Obviously, tens of millions of people do it. That's true. That's yeah. true. And, and so, yeah, like- Well, that's that, not a good testament for why for accounting firms then. <laughs> well, but that way you do the planning, right? Yeah. Which is what TurboTax Live can't do. They can help you fill out the forms, but if you try to ask them like, well, how do I actually make this number better? You know, how do I owe less tax and stuff? They can't really give you anything on that. That's not what they're designed for, right? They're designed to just help you get the return correct and file it. Uh, and sometimes they even struggle with that, right? So 
this could be a good bridge. Scott says, great idea, Kenji. Good vibes. Hey, thanks, Kenji and Scott, for tuning in. Awesome to have you. And uh, check out both of their shows. Kenji hosts Drink While You Think, and Scott hosts Accounting High. So we've got our fellow podcasters joining us today. It's so exciting. Thank you guys for, for, for coming on the show or for coming on the live stream. We don't have time to get into it today, but maybe next week as um, Hinge Research, so you know Hinge Marketing, Hinge Research, they put out a, uh, a high growth study for 2023, and it's really about high growth firms. And there's one little piece that ties, because we're talking about talent and the shortage of accountants and all that, I just want to talk about this one little piece. But essentially, they asked the question, over the last 12 months, has a firm consulted with an outside agency, firm, or freelancer? Like, have you outsourced any things like website, graphic design, SEO, whatever it might be? Mm-hmm. Twenty. So of the no growth firms, 22% have not outsourced anything in the last 12 months. How many? 24%? 22%. So 22%. One-fifth one okay. of firms that aren't growing, did they didn't outsource anything in the last 12 months. Wow. I mean, so, but that's actually, I, I don't know if that... Seems good because I bet you that number was a lot higher before. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's missing from this study. Like that's what I'd be interested data. to hear. Yeah, historical. Yeah. So we'll dig uh, into this more, but I thought it just that that little stat caught my eye the most. Yeah. Is like they're not the one that was actually other interesting is website improvements are way higher than I expected. Like half half the firms in the survey have basically outsourced some website improvements. So. Mm-hmm. Because we always bitch like you go to these accounting firm websites and it's very clear they haven't been touched in decades. And yeah, they're getting upgraded. Uh, I wanted to share something I posted on LinkedIn a while ago. Yeah. Uh, This goes back to like how do we improve the profession? How do we make work life, um, basically just the work environment in large firms better? And I was curious what what the public thought on LinkedIn. And I posted a poll. I asked... Call it an association, call it a union, whatever you call it, this organization would advocate on behalf of professional accountants who are employees. Would you support the creation of an association to advocate for better working conditions for accountants? Yes, got 74%, and no, got 26%. So just under three quarters of the 285 people who voted on LinkedIn said that they would support a, an association that would advocate for better working conditions for accountants. So I'm curious, you know, like, why, why don't we have that, right? Why don't our current associations advocate for this? Like, this seems to me like the most direct way to solve the accounting talent crisis is to make sure that students coming out of school have a good experience in their first few years in accounting. And like you said, David, most people who leave, or a lot of people who leave, are just leaving the profession entirely. Yeah. Yeah, not sticking around. Uh, so I wanted to get that one off of my plate because that was back in... Oh, you know, January, I think I did that. And that, and I think something like that, uh, an organization like that ties back to those little concept of mentorship and apprenticeship. And, you know, this is a cr- accounting is a craft and art. It's not this thing. You just study in theory and you, you know, you have to practice doing it. Going back to what you said, the musicians that didn't actually perform on stage, like, like how yeah. much, it's the same in construction. I grew up in construction and you've talked about this with Frank Lloyd Wright. The architects who've never actually built something, you know. They don't, yeah, they don't build structures that people want to live in, if, right? There's a reason we call it the practice of accounting, because you have to actually do it yeah. to be good at it. You can't just learn it in school. And like, I, that's, what, that's what I find so funny about the fifth year. I mean, if the fifth year is so valuable, then why don't we make all the 
CPAs who only did four years go back and get a fifth year. Ooh, that now I, <laughs> please send right? all hate mail too. <laughs> no, seriously, like if it is that valuable, if it makes that much of a difference, why don't we do that? From a proportion standpoint, the vast majority of practicing CPAs out there right now do not have that fifth year, right? No. The vast majority don't. Most and don't. They, and, and people are getting their tax work, their services done correctly, right? Yeah. I mean, until I see any evidence to the contrary, I still hold that the fifth year adds no value. It does not produce better CPAs. Now, they may know more than somebody who just you know comes out with four, but I don't think in actual practice, there's any evidence that shows that they're better. Because like, think about it, most CPAs don't have the fifth year and the work experience is far more valuable. So once you've had a few years of work experience, you're way more valuable than somebody with only a fifth year, right? Like if you took somebody who only has a fifth year and you had somebody with a fourth year, but a, a full year of work experience on that person, right? Ahead of that person, who would you hire? Somebody who's done the, who's the actually per- done accounting work. That person who actually yeah. has experience, right? So that just proves it right there. Somebody um, asked a question in the chat, and we'll end on this. Uh, how long ago was the fifth year added? Do we- so I'm pretty sure that Florida was the very first state to do it, and it was the year I was born, 1983. Now, it took many more years for the other states to follow and for the Uniform Accountancy Act to solidify this as being the law of the land in all states but Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii still doesn't do this, or I guess they haven't passed the Uniform Accountancy Act. So uh, it was that long ago in Florida, and I've heard that the reason this is what I've been told. The reason this was done in Florida was not to increase the quality of CPAs, but it was because Florida CPAs uh, were worried about all of the retiring CPAs coming down to Florida and taking their work. So it was a way to prevent people from relocating to Florida and, and practicing as CPAs. So many, so many decisions are based off of fear. It's, it really is. And, and protectionism. Yeah. Protectionism, right? And that's essentially what fifth year is to me. If it doesn't really add value... If it doesn't make us better CPAs, then all it does is put up barriers. And what is the purpose of a barrier but to reduce the supply? And yes, I understand that if you reduce the supply, you can increase the price. That's economics 101. But at a certain point, if the supply becomes too low, then your customers go elsewhere. And that is the big risk we run as a profession is that our customers, which is the business world, who need audits and need tax returns, will say, well, we don't have enough CPAs. I guess we're going to turn to this other credential or we're going to start doing other, going to go for other people. We're going to drop the requirement for CPAs, right? Which is what we're seeing happen. So it's a a two-way street, right? We have to provide enough CPAs so that you can require a CPA license for a position. If we don't, they'll drop it and then the value of the CPA plummets. Uh, So it's a gradual problem right now, but it could sort of go off a cliff at a certain point. That's the real risk. It smells like it's close. Yeah. It smells like it's closer than further. Exactly. What else, David? I guess actually we're at, we're past our time. So that's all we got for this week. We have listener mail on a bunch of episodes. Let me just run through this real quick. Is that all right, David? You got anything else? No, I just, uh, Lucy got on a, I I searched about getting AP credits for accounting. Can you? (laughs) Uh, It's not clear. All right, we'll have to follow up on that one in a future episode. We had a comment from Joseph on our live stream last week. He watched it after the fact. He said, I'm 14 minutes in, and the more you play the AICPA clips, the more frustrated I get. The AICPA's response is either clueless or purposely ignoring reality. 
as a CPA in my 30s, this is not reassuring at all over our future as a profession. Another message from a listener who I'll keep anonymous. I was one of those people who wanted a CPA, but I didn't have the time to study. I was a tax accountant, and the busy season slash fiscal year filers took so much of my time. What broke me was TCJA that increased my workload 5x. I felt like seven months out of the year were 10 plus hours billable. I worked in public accounting for four years and just burned out. I switched my career into IT, and now I am a software engineer. The hours are much better, and the pay, I would say, is on par or even better. Ooh, that's not good for the profession. We lost him to software. Here is a a message from Katie. I was just listening to the episode, David Got Fired by His Tax Preparer. Great episode, by the way. Go listen to that one. And got to the section on CPA hours requirements. Here is something wild. In my state, AL, Alabama, right? Dentists are required to do 20 hours of continuing education a year. Doctors are required to do 25 hours of continuing education credits a year. Lawyers are required to do 12 hours a year. In AL, accountants are required to do 40 per year. I think it's absolutely wild and agree there's going to be an accounting industry meltdown unless there's some changes. So that is wild. Dentists only have to do 20. Doctors only have to do 25. And lawyers only have to do 12. But accountants have to do 40 hours of continuing education. Wow. Well, we have vested interest in that. We have a, we have a, a company that... <laughs> has continuing education credits so that that creates continuing education credits yeah i guess so so we should probably so we should know. we should be lobbying for more we want that there should be 60 hours of continuing education credits required we should be lobbying for more uh, that's true if we were completely self-interested and we didn't have any ethics then we would do that but you know i i, I guess but it doesn't know, matter the, if all the accountants go away it doesn't matter I, I i'd rather see the requirement lower and have twice as many accountants right yeah exactly i mean it should be that way. It's like we, we should have less, fewer hours required, but higher quality. I think part of the problem is that we're required to get so much continuing education that people don't, they get overwhelmed by it. They don't do it. I mean, that's why we made the Airmark app to make it easier to do it. 40 hours is a lot of continuing education when you're so busy. And so like, yeah, wouldn't it be better to do 20 and have it be high quality? And then, you know, NASBA could go out there and actually assure that the quality is high, but we all know that there's a lot of really, really terrible CPE that people do and they don't learn anything. But the CPE is out there because they've checked all the boxes, right? There's not really a quality filter on CPE. So like, it's it's kind of amazing. But maybe we don't want them putting a quality filter on because then they might say the Cloud Accounting Podcast is low quality and can't qualify for CPE. So it's all subjective, right? But that's the thing too, is we should be trusting CPA is more to take the courses that are important to what they need to do. It's sort of like, like individual um, uh, determinism or uh, I'm responsibility the word I want. or yeah, yeah, it's like I mean, if we trust somebody enough to give them a CPA license because they passed an exam, you think we would trust them enough to like you know do the education requirements without making them like type in every single class they took into like some online portal. Somebody was saying that that they have like in West Virginia. You have to report every single class and you have to type it manually into their portal. You can't like upload a file or paste Florida, it. Florida used to just trust you. You just self-certified that you took the 40 hours and then they would audit random people and you'd have to produce the certificates. Now they're actually making you upload them, like upload the data into their portal. I mean, like talk about a lack of trust, right? One more comment here or a few more comments here from our listeners before we go. 
Uh, JTCCG said in regards to the dentist thing, is it because teeth don't change, but tax law is so obtuse and changes so often? Well, if that's the case, then, you know, the courses you take should have to be about changes to the tax law, but it doesn't have to be. It could just be about anything. I could be talking about tax law that's been around for 20 years and still qualifies as CPE, according to the standards. Uh, and Omachi says, hitting the CPE requirement has been way easier since I discovered Earmark. Yes. There Thank we you. Go. Awesome. Well, everyone, um, thanks for coming today. Thanks for showing up to the live stream. Thanks for listening to the podcast episode. Uh, I don't need to mention you can get CPE because I've talked about that plenty today. Anything else uh, we should add before we go? A lot of people are saying they loved the last episodes, Blake. Please oh. go leave us reviews on Apple iTunes, uh, Podchaser, tweet about it, share it on LinkedIn, get your friends to listen. Because, I mean, that's how we grow the show ultimately. Yes. From those po- and so if you're loving us, share it. Share the love. Let other people know that you love it. Thanks to Randy for coming on. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. What about you, David? I'm just on all the socials at David Leary. We'll see you here next week. And I believe we will be re- streaming at our regular time, right? 10 a.m. MST on Friday. Yes, but we will be at the CPA oh, no. Educators Conference. So we might have to do some adjusting or we'll be doing it yeah. from a hotel lobby. We're going to figure that out next week. So actually, so. the time is uncertain, but we will stream on Friday. And we'll give you all the details from the CPA Educators Conference. They're I'm actually letting that. us go. They're letting us go to this event. That's I mean, amazing. we're professional educators, David. I, we're not yet, uh, what is it? The ICPA asks us to be professional media. Yes, we're not paid. We're not We're not working media. We're not working media, according to the ICPA. Working press or whatever, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Maybe this year. Do you think this year they'll give us media passes to ICPA Engage? What do you think the odds are on that, David? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I Chat mean, GPT says I'm an influencer. So, like... You know, that's got to stand for something. All right. We got to go. Great to see you, David. Great to see all of our listeners. Have a great week. Time for the classifieds. ClientHub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time and the best part that it's free. Introducing the free ClientHub recategorized plan. ClientHub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorized plan that'll lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning ClientHub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using ClientHub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Write Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free and offers a pro version with additional batching tools. Check them out at writetool.app. That's writetool.app. R-I-G-H-T. T-O-O-L dot app. Is it possible to scale your firm while significantly reducing your workload so you can spend more time with your family? That's what Marie Phillips did when she tripled the revenues of her multi-seven-figure firm thanks to Future Firm Accelerate. Designed for busy firm owners, Future Firm Accelerate gives you the system, training, coaching, and the community you need to systemize your firm so that you can scale it while working less. The program is built around founder and CPA Ryan Lozanis' six-part Future Firm Framework which he used to scale and sell his own firm, Zen Accounting, to a major international organization in just five short years. To learn more and join over 700 other modern firm owners scaling their businesses, go to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That's www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. 
Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.